Good evening, everyone. We have with us in the studio Pastor Terry Ball from Castle Rock Baptist Church. How are you, brother? Good, Joel. How are you? Hey, it's great to have you with us. You know, I'm just trying to think how many times uh, this is about the third shot at uh, this. We tried a month ago, uh, a whole month we did in May of '04, and then we did something uh, not too long ago, just a, a one program. And how, now we're going to have uh, two programs, two broadcasts. And uh, this is going to be really fun because uh, we have a lot of focus on missions. We have a, uh, some focus on expository preaching. And so I think those of you just kind of bend your ear close to the radio because uh, we've got some things that we want to talk about tonight. Well, Terry, uh, first of all, I will just let the folks uh, know that you are, again, as I have mentioned before, Terry is the pastor of Castle Rock Baptist Church. Uh, and uh, if any of you have been trying to get over there, the construction work and all this stuff, what are they doing over there anyway? What are they doing on those streets that make this thing such a long project? Well, they tell me that they are upgrading all of the infrastructure, the sewage, the uh, drainage for the water, and... Um, water supplies to the houses. It's kind of the older part of Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. And um, putting in curb and gutter and sidewalks and making it all pretty. And uh, okay. uh, it's been a process for about a year and a half, almost, yeah, about a year and a half now. Well, I have found, and, and even if you've been there before, sometimes it's hard to, to wind your way in. You have to come in on Anderson from the north, or sometimes third is open coming up from Wilcox, and sometimes it isn't. So uh, what, what I want to say at the very beginning here, if you're interested in some of the things we're talking tonight and you want to visit the church, uh, your service is at 1030 on Sunday mornings? Yes. And 630 on Sunday evenings? Correct. So, um, but what I want to encourage you to do, folks, is, is uh, pull them down off the website. It's uh, www.castlerockbaptistchurch.com. Uh, and they'll have, uh, Dane has put together, our engineer has put together some stuff on the way of uh, maps and all that sort of thing and directions to the church. And uh, we'll give you tips here and there. But I think by the time you get this um, broadcast, folks, that you'll have somewhat of an idea that you can actually drive in there rather directly because I think Gilbert is going to be open pretty soon. We are told, Terry, that it's going to be open pretty soon. That's what we're told. <laughs> That's what we're told. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll do, we'll just find out on that. Uh, Terry, Terry is, uh, is a man who has, uh, was saved uh, as an adult. Uh, he was not raised in a Christian home. And uh, he had been into, a, well, a pretty rough and tough background, uh, working, uh, I mean, doing drugs, uh, mostly dealing in drugs, but also probably doing some drugs himself. And uh, Terry got saved, and God just radically changed his life. He was kind of like C.S. Lewis, uh, uh, pulled kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God, and uh, his life has been changed because here's a, a man who does not have a whole lot of formal training, but he's uh, being trained in, in the, uh, really in the school of Christ and the disciplines of, of the scriptures and has been involved in the Stephen Olford Institute. And I think he's going to be graduating, in fact, this fall, aren't you? Right, November. That'd be uh, pretty exciting. And he's also uh, been influenced very much by John MacArthur and the Shepherds Conference. He's been involved in those for the last seven years. Uh, going out to California, and so just kind of a, get a context of uh, some of the spiritual leaders that he highly regards and respects. So, Terry, uh, I want to say, uh, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, being with us tonight, and uh, I, I want us to focus in on uh, your beginnings as it relates to the whole concept of elders in the church, and give us a little bit of a background on how 
you became involved in Christian ministry as a pastor. Um, I, uh, Castle Rock Baptist Church is the only church that I've ever been um, involved with in my entire life. Um, I, I joined the church in 1983 uh, and basically uh, at that point in time was in construction. And so I became the guy who took care of the maintenance of the building. As I continued to progress, um, I got to teach some Sunday school classes and some things like that. But in the process of it, process, um, this, the church is a Southern Baptist church in congregational rule. And basically what I noticed, and many of us notice, is that every time we get up to about 200 people, we'd have the proverbial church split. That's the church planting Baptist style. Right? That's right. And God <laughs> does it by multiplication, and we seem to do it by division. Um, so um, we brought in an associate pastor, and he began teaching out of... Uh, First Timothy, and we noticed that God had set up an institution that called for elders. Yes. And I know that many call it cultural and all the rest of it. Uh-huh. I don't really want to debate that. So what we ended up doing was converting our constitution over to an elder government. Uh, some men set us up a new constitution, uh, and during that process they asked me if I'd been interested. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I fought it for about a year and a half, two years, uh-huh. and uh, eventually became an elder. Now, now, what you had was was deacons, basically, was what deacons, the church had before, right? Deacons okay. and then congregation. You know, you had deacons basically were there to assist the pastor, uh, and then um, the congregation sort of voted yes or no to whatever it was you were planning on doing. Okay, coach. Cool. So assisting uh, would be more on, uh, like when you had communion, they would do that. Communion, and baptism, and. But uh, there wouldn't be probably budgets, any focus it, upon budget. Yeah, 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 the financial side of it, right? But there wouldn't be a lot of emphasis upon necessarily uh, learning to teach the Word of God and no. the standards of a, of a man of God. That was what the pastor was supposed to do. Okay, so so really you had quite a wide gap then between the the pastor, who was sort of like the CEO in a way then. Correct, correct. And, and then the people, and these happened to be f- folks that were appointed or elected or whatever for that position. But there really wasn't that idea that here lay people with regular jobs uh, could be focused on the Word of God and become men of God and from time to time teach. Because you're supposed to be able to teach, are you not, if you're an elder? An elder. is supposed. To, the difference between an elder and, and a deacon is the ability to teach. Okay. Okay. It's, mm-hmm. b- both of them are very high callings. Right. Uh, but the elder should be able to teach in the deacons. In our f- fellowship now, we do have elders and we do have deacons. Yes. Okay. And the okay. deacons tend to be the servants, the ones who right. are given to watering the grass. Uh, at one point in time, um, we had a volunteer secretary and was a deacon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, it's, the deacons are the ones who serve the body, uh, and the elders are the ones who have the authority of the scriptures. Right. Uh, and as the Bible teaches, we should be giving ourselves to rightly dividing truth mm-hmm. and prayer. And the other thing, yeah, and I, that's a, that double focus there, but the deacons uh, are also involved in uh, hospital visitation, compassion, uh, even... Uh, you know, the thing, interesting thing about Stephen there in, in the book of Acts, how he was uh, he preached, and yet he was part of the deacons who took care of the widows. Right, and, right, right. And the orphans and that sort of thing. So uh, this is... This, boy, I see this as a real, real need for us to get back to this whole concept of what the Bible teaches, not man-made uh, ways of doing it, but what is, what is God's pattern as he has in the Word of God. 
So, so I just want to I get I want to get on to some things uh, that would relate to that. Uh, but I want to ask you first of all, uh, what are the what are the the influences of John MacArthur and Stephen Olford? I, I think they probably had an influence and have had. Although Stephen Olford passed away uh, not too long ago, and his son David is taking his place, correct? As far as the leadership correct. goes, but just tell me about those two individuals and right on KRKS uh, John MacArthur has a program a regular program so just tell us about some of the mentors in your life uh, in the in the way of these two men perhaps others um shortly after my conversion which was done in uh, jail um uh, I, mm. I I was released and I knew that all I knew about the church and the bible was that I needed to be baptized so I sought out a pastor in a church in Parker and was baptized. I got out on a Wednesday and was baptized that Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, at that point in time, the Baptist churches were basically um, more evan- evangelistic. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just have an altar call. Let's have an altar call. Let's have an altar call. Uh, I went through some tough times uh, in in the early '80s. I was in construction and uh, kind of got mad at God, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. and was kind of ticked off at, you know, I got saved, and how's come everything seems to be flushing down the toilet. Mm. And um, I was just happened to be, I was working in a home uh, as an electrician, and I happened to hear uh, Grace to You, I believe is on this radio station. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And uh, he was teaching on a text that he's taught on before, uh, mm-hmm. Sufficiency of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that, and I ordered it, and it showed me, uh, focus on he who is the book, focus on the book and allow him to do what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point, I, <clears throat> I'll, I'll be honest that I was still a little bit grouchy about this whole thing. So I decided at that point in time to take the Bible and find a contradiction and then we can throw the thing away and we don't have to worry about it no oh, more. Okay. And, uh, so that was my first introduction to John MacArthur. Um, after my pastor invited me to go out to a shepherd's conference, um, we went out, and I was thoroughly in awe of mm. what I saw and was exposed to. So I, I've mm-hmm. tried to plan it uh, to go out there every year to deal with theological issues, sure. uh, to deal with uh, pastoral skills. Um, and then through MacArthur, um, I was exposed to Dr. Stephen Olford, who uh-huh. has the Institute on Biblical Preaching. And... Um, so I've sort of got a, my foundation theologically is Bible based, mm-hmm. uh, and then my preaching I, I take from the Olford Ministries. Mm-hmm. And and you've uh, you go out there every what for a week about four times a year or how, how right is, right uh-huh. uh, out to Memphis to Memphis Tennessee yeah, right yes. and um, uh, just you know um, it, it is a matter of giving me the nuts and bolts on what it is, it is to sermon preparation and how, and how do you proclaim. Mm-hmm. Well, I did. I think this is uh, extremely exciting because uh, sometimes we think, uh, well, you've got to go to seminary to be a preacher or to be a pastor. And uh, here's an example of a man who, uh, like many other examples, uh, even today in Russia, and we'll be talking about that in a bit. But I mean, it's uh, early in, seminary was not not a high priority in the, in the early days of our country, even of these young men that weren't able to go to seminary, but they were self-taught. And uh, I come from a school, uh, Prairie Bible Institute, it was called at that time. Now it's Prairie Bible College. Uh, Ellie Maxwell had a great influence on my life. Uh, Ted, Ted Rendell was a friend of mine. I understand Ted now is with the, the Stephen Olford Institute. Yes, yes. 
And Ted has probably one of the largest libraries, uh, 35,000 volumes, and we kind of joke about it because we don't have many ourselves. But, of course, nowadays we have the Internet. It's wonderful to get the resources off the Internet. Absolutely. Isn't that a great thing? Ted, they said about Dr. Rindle that uh, he has 35,000 volumes and he's read every one of them. And that that sort of bothers me. Yeah. (laughs) I used to tell my wife, she says, have you read all those books? Well, no, but they're there if I need them. Yeah. (laughs) But here's an example of... Of a man who, and, and I think it was Olford that read a, a book every week or more than that, wasn't it? Yeah, a book a week yeah. for 60, I don't know, 60 plus years. Right. And this was above his study time. Um, and then he said of Dr. Rendell that he was a, a more read man than Dr. Olford was. It, isn't, that, isn't that something? Well, that really challenges us to, to get to the, the book, but more, also books, which are a form of mentoring for us to to sit at the feet of these great men of God. Well, I, I wanted to, was there anything more you want to say on the eldership idea? Because we'll kind of move into some of these other things in the Russian situation, uh, also Belarus and, and all that. But I just want to make sure. Uh, let, let me say that, that here, I want to throw this in, and that is Castle Rock Baptist Church is a church that believes in expository preaching, and that is basically exposing the text and in the process allowing ourselves to be exposed as we're and naked before the Word of God, and, and and bow before His grace, and receive His grace, and and so on. But it's really fine. It's thematic. I think you had mentioned before. Correct. The theme. Get, just give me kind of a summation of of what the idea of expository preaching is. Um, I, when I think about Israel being released from um, Babylonian captivity, they found the scriptures and they read them and they made the sense of them. And the people uh-huh. would stand and listen to it. Yes. Um, that is r- really how the church has grown through history. Um, when I see a lot of the stuff that you see today in America, I, I had a chance last spring to preach in London, England, and Essex, England. Um, we're kind of following them, and they're following France. Mm-hmm. Uh, and none of those have good endings to it. But what I have seen is that if you take the word of God and proclaim it in the power of God, uh, you have one of two effects. Either the people desire what you have or they are madder and old wet hen at you. Oh, sure. Yes. And um, I don't claim to be infallible, but the Bible does. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find it. Uh, heart-wrenching for me today that so many are not willing to reason together from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's a tragedy, I believe. Well, that reasoning through the scriptures is a, is a great uh, great thought there. In fact, uh, Terry and I are, are uh, working together on doing some things at the church there, and I'm picking up Sunday evening teaching times. And I, in fact, I'm going to uh, have to have a little bit of relief from time to time for vacations and trips uh, back east and so on. But uh, just just uh, the thought as I could go to Romans, and I had picked up some things from a Dallas graduate that said reasoning through Romans was the idea. And the reasoning side is that God has given us minds Correct. that we take the word and we reason. God, God gives us that ability to reason through the scriptures. So Absolutely. This is going to be an exciting thing. So I'll mention to you, 1030 in the mornings, uh, Pastor Terry is preaching on 1 Corinthians, doing an expository series and has been for some time. And then I am just beginning a a series on Romans. And uh, Terry is going to be uh, stepping in once in a while because I'll need a little bit of a break. And 
And we're going to have that opportunity to reason through the book of Romans together as a series. So this is going to be exciting. Folks, that's 10.30 in the morning uh, for 1 Corinthians. And then if you're interested in Romans, 6.30 on Sunday evenings at Castle Rock Baptist Church. And it's 880, is it? Third? Correct. Third Street, Castle Rock. And you just go up Wilcox on third. By faith, we'll say this. And uh, the main street and go on up the hill there and it's on the right side next to Gilbert. I tell people that if you see a barricade, if you keep your speed up, you can make it through. I guarantee it. Oh, I see. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just keep going. That's right. All right. Well, so so let's let's talk a little bit about we've got some time here. We want to focus in on on uh, my my transition point here. Maybe might be as we move from. Uh, the fact that in Russia there are a lot of of uh, men who are not formally trained. They're not able to take off three years and go to seminary. They don't have the money nor the time. They've got to take care of their families. But the ra- Russian model seems to be those who are involved in the vocational things. Uh, there, there's a need for them to get off and to be taught by men of God. And I understand that there is... Uh, a strategic, it's called the Strategic Bible Institutes, sponsored by the uh, Slavic Gospel Association. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that, uh, and we'll talk about how uh, Castle Rock Baptist Church has been involved in Belarus in sponsoring, I think, nine churches. Nine, yes. Now, let me ask you about that, and we'll kind of cover some of this, but is that, uh, let's say, $50 or 60 whatever it is, is that pretty well gives the main uh, assistance to the pastor so that he can devote himself to ministry? Or what? Um, How is that used? The money uh, takes care of the pastor and his family because a lot of these churches um, are small. Uh, A lot of the people don't seem to have very liquid incomes. uh, A lot of them are living on some kind of a pension. Uh, Uh A lot of them may be on a disability, the congregation. And so the congregation has enough money to keep the doors open, to keep the lights on, but they may or may not have enough money to help the pastor. Okay. So what we do is we support the pastor. He doesn't have to to worry about that. He doesn't have to worry about meeting the needs of his family. And so that has been removed. That's and amazing. $50 a month would take care of a pastor and his family pretty well? Or is it a little yeah, bit no. It, you, well, it depends on the area you're in. It, okay. it, it may be up to $300, $400 oh. if you're a pastor in Moscow. Okay. Okay. In Belarus, it's 200 to $250, okay. depending whether he's near Minsk or out in an outlying area. Okay, so you'd have maybe three other uh, individuals or churches assisting you so there's a sort of a teamwork here correct where you and you have nine different churches where you're part of a team for each of those churches right right we have people in our fellowship who have promised that until they see the lord face to face we will give this much money per month to help these pastors okay. uh, that you pull all that money together and that's how we're meeting the needs of of these men um i, I want to add that mm-hmm. um these men, one of the things that we've hurt ourselves with is that these men have learned their theology from the church. Uh, if you look at the original model of the church in Acts 2, mm-hmm. you'll see that they gave themselves to the apostles' teachings. They gave themselves to fellowship service. They gave themselves uh, to the Lord's table. And they gave themselves um, continually in every one of these to prayer. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has happened is, is that the teaching of theology has moved to a different educational institution and the church, I'm not sure what the church is doing right now, but it should be us 
equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. In Russia and Belarus and Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we are getting men trained in their theology, mm-hmm. and then we're setting them aside. If they show faithfulness, if they show giftedness, mm-hmm. and then we are putting them in the pulpits because we're going to give them the tools to preach the word. So what we're going to do, folks, is next time we're going to go in depth uh, more into this situation. We've only got about a minute and a half left. I've been talking to Pastor Terry Ball, and uh, he's the pastor of Castle Rock Baptist Church. And uh, I just want to encourage you to go to their website because they have a number of things on that website. It's www.castlerockbaptistchurch.com. So, and you can also call them on their office phone at 303-688-9041. Well, uh, Terry, we have about, uh, oh, about a minute left here. Do you want to kind of pull some things together that would uh, end our program tonight? Um, if anybody's interested in um, biblical preaching um, and understanding that we believe that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God and it is everything we, ha- we need, Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage you to come and at least to sit down and talk to us. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be uh, pretty exciting, and uh, we're going to have fun working on this Romans project together and sharing um, just, you know, in fact, Romans really is the, the one book, and uh, who was it? Somebody said, if you were on a desert island or somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and had no other, only one book of the Bible, it would be Romans. Correct. And you, you feel yeah. that way yourself, Absolutely, don't you? absolutely. It's just, because it, it stand it by itself. It just gives you just about everything you need to know. Yeah, I see people who want to argue with the false religions, and I don't care what false religion you believe in, Romans deals with it. Well, that's exciting. Well, folks, again, uh, Castle Rock Baptist Church, uh, Pastor Terry Ball, and uh, this is Joel Bardwell thanking you for tuning in uh, to our program tonight. Good night, Terry. Good night. 